Chapter Four: The Beautiful Lady by Booth Tarkington, read for LibriVox.org by Rita Boutros. Chapter Four. It is with the most extreme mortification that I record my ensuing experiences, for I felt that I could not honorably accept my salary without earning it by carrying out the parent poor's wishes that first morning i endeavored to direct my pupil's steps toward the musee de cluny with the purpose of inciting him to instructive study but in the mildest yet most immovable manner he proposed longchamp and the races as a substitute to conclude with dinner at la cascade and supper at maxime's or the cafe blanche in case we should meet engaging company I ventured the vainest efforts to reason with him, making for myself a very uncomfortable breakfast, though without effect upon him of any visibility. His air was uninterruptedly mild and modest. He rarely lifted his eyes, but to my most earnest argument replied only by ordering more eggs and saying in a chastened voice, "'Oh, no, it is always best to begin school with a vacation. To Longchamp, oui.' i should say at once that through this young man i soon became an amateur of the remarkable north american idioms of humor and incomparable brevities often more interesting than those evolved by the thirteen or more dialects of my own naples even at our first breakfast i began to catch lucid glimpses of the intention in many of his almost incomprehensible statements i was able even to penetrate his meaning when he said that although he was strong for aged parent he himself had suffered much anguish from overwork of the earnest youth raquette in his late travels and now desired to create considerable trouble for paris naturally i did not wish to begin by antagonizing my pupil an estrangement at the commencement would only lead to his deceiving me or a continued quarrel in which case i should be of no service to my kind patron so that after a strained interval i considered it best to surrender we went to longchamp that was my first mistake the second was to yield to him concerning the latter part of his programme but opposition to mr poor junior had a curious effect of inutility he had not in the least the air of obstinacy nothing could have been less like rudeness he neither frowned nor smiled no he did not seem even to be insisting on the contrary never have i beheld a milder countenance nor heard a pleasanter voice yet the young man was so completely baffling in his mysterious way that i considered him unique to my experience thus when i urged him not to place large wagers in the passage his whispered reply was strange and simple watch me this he conclusively said as he deposited another thousand franc note which within a few moments accrued to the french government longchamp was but the beginning of a series of days and nights which wore upon my constitution not indeed with the intensity of mortification which my former conspicuosity had engendered yet my sorrows were stringent 
it is true that i had been since the age of seventeen no stranger to the gaieties and dissipations afforded by the capitals of europe i may say i had exhausted these yet always with some degree of quiet including intervals of repose i was tired of all the great foolishness of youth and had thought myself done with them now i found myself plunged into more uproarious waters than i had ever known i who had hoped to begin a life of usefulness and peace was forced to dwell in the midst of a riot pursuing my extraordinary charge there is no need that i should describe those days and nights they remain in my memory as a confusion of bad music crowds motor-cars and champagne of which poor junior was a distributing centre he could never be persuaded to the louvre the carnivalet or the luxembourg in truth he seldom rose in time to reach the museums for they usually close at four in the afternoon always with the same inscrutable meekness of countenance each night he methodically danced the cake-walk at maxime's or one of the montmartre restaurants to the cheers of acquaintances of many nationalities to whom he offered libations with prodigal enormity he carried with him about the boulevards at night in the highly powerful car he had hired large parties of strange people who would loudly sing airs from the folie rouge to my unhappy shudderings all the way from the fatiguing balboulier to the cafe du paris where the waiters soon became affluent and how many of those gaily dressed and smiling ladies whose bright eyes meet yours on the veranda of the theatre marigny were provided with excessive suppers and souvenir fans by the inexhaustible poor junior he left a trail of pink hundred-franc notes behind him like a running boy dropping paper in the english game and he kept showers of gold louis dancing in the air about him so that when we entered the various cafes or american bars a cheer not vocal but to me of perfect audibility went up from the hungry and thirsty and borrowing and from the attendants ah how tired i was of it and how i endeavoured to discover a means to draw him to the museums and to notre dame and the pantheon and how many times did i unwillingly find myself in the too enlivening company of those pretty supper-girls and what jokings upon his head-top did the poor bald gentleman not undergo from those same demoiselles with the bright eyes the wonderful hats and the fluffy dresses how often among those gay people did i find myself sadly dreaming of that grey pongee skirt and the beautiful heart that had understood should i ever see that lady not i knew alas in the world about poor junior as soon look for a nun at the cafe blanche for some reason i came to be persuaded that she had left paris that she had gone away and i pictured her a little despairingly on the borders of lucerne with the white alps in the sky above her or perhaps listening to the evening songs on the grand canal and i would try to feel the little rocking of her gondola making myself dream that i sat at her feet or i could see the grey flicker of the pongee skirt in the twilight distance of cathedral aisles with a chant sounding from a chapel 
and so dreaming i would start spasmodically to hear the red-coated orchestra of a cafe blare out into bedelia and awake to the laughter and rouge and blague which that dear pongy had helped me for a moment to forget to all places poor junior though never unkindly dragged me with him even to make the balloon ascent at the porte maillot on a windy evening without embarrassment i confess that i was terrified that i clung to the ropes with a clutch which frayed my gloves while poor junior leaned back against the side of the basket and gazed upward at the great swaying ball with his hands in his pockets humming the strange ballad that was his favorite musical composition the prettiest girl i ever saw was sipping cider through a straw aha in that horrifying basket scrambling for a foothold while it swung through arcs that were gulfs i believed that my sorrows approached a sudden conclusion but finding myself again upon the secure earth i decided to come to an understanding with the young man accordingly on the following morning i entered his apartment and addressed myself to poor junior as severely as i could for truthfully in all his follies i had found no ugliness in his spirit only a good-natured and inscrutable desire of wild amusement reminding him of the authority his father had deputed to me and having the venturesomeness to hint that the son should show some respect to my superior age to my consternation he replied by inquiring if i had shaved my head as yet that morning i could only drop in a chair stammering to know what he meant didn't you suppose i knew he asked elevating himself slightly on his elbow from the pillow three weeks ago i left my aged parent in london and ran over here for a day i saw you at the cafe de la paix and even then i knew that it was shaved not naturally bald when you came here i recognized you like a shot and that was why i was glad to accept you as a guardian i've enjoyed myself considerably of late and you've been the best part of it i think you are a wonderation i wouldn't have had any other governess for the world but you surpassed the orchestra when you begged me to respect your years i will bet you four dollars to a lead franc piece that you are younger than i am imagine the completeness of my dismay although he spoke in tones the most genial and without unkindness i felt myself a man of tatters before him ashamed to have him know my sorry secret hopeless to see all chance of authority over him gone at once and with it my opportunity to earn a salary so generous for if i could continue to be but an amusement to him and only part of his deception of lambert are poor my sense of honour must be fit for the guillotine indeed i had a little struggle with myself and i think i must have wiped some amounts of the cold perspiration from my absurd head before i was able to make an answer it may be seen what a coward i was and how i feared to begin again that search for employment at last however i was in self-control so that i might speak without being afraid that my voice would shake i am sorry i said it seemed to me that my deception would not cause any harm and that i might be useful in spite of it enough to earn my living it was on account of my being very poor and there are two little children i must take care of 
Well, at least it is over now. I have had great shame, but I must not have greater. What do you mean? he asked me rather sharply. I will leave immediately, I said, going to the door. Since I am no more than a joke, I can be of no service to your father or to you. But you must not think that I am so unreasonable as to be angry with you. A man whom you have beheld reduced to what I was at the Café de la Paix is surely a joke to the whole world. I will write to your father before I leave the hotel and explain that I feel myself unqualified you going to write to him why you give it up he exclaimed i shall make no report of espionage i answered with perhaps some bitterness and i will leave the letter for you to read and to send of yourself it shall only tell him that as a man of honour i cannot keep a position for which i have no qualification i was going to open the door bidding him adieu when he called out to me look here he said and he jumped out of bed in his pajamas and came quickly and held out his hand look here and Cellini, don't take it that way i know you've had pretty hard times and if you'll stay i'll get good i'll go to the louvre with you this afternoon we'll dine at one of the duval restaurants and go to that new religious tragedy afterwards if you like we'll leave paris to-morrow there's a little too much movement here maybe for god's sake let your hair grow and we'll go down to italy and study bones and ruins and delight the aged parent it's all right isn't it i shook the hand of that kind poor junior with a feeling in my heart that kept me from saying how greatly i thanked him and i was sure that i could do anything for him in the world End of chapter four